go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 671. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I am going to take a lead um, or I guess jump on the coattails of one of our friends, Jason Gaddis. He wrote something on his Facebook page that impacted me. So that's going to be the main thing. I don't think we're going to get to my second thing. No, let's save it. And Todd, will you do a tech thing for me? Will you turn sure. up my um, my microphone just a little, or my earphones? Oh, your earphones. Yeah, my, my microphone. Is like, that? Your, yeah, turn it down a little bit. Is that better? A little down, turn it down. Okay, much better. Thank you. Um, so it's going to be about dads and dad's ability to feel and and how I can sometimes fall into the trap of blaming. Mm -hmm. So I'm calling myself out, Um, but we'll get more into that in a bit. But first, uh, if you all like this podcast and you want to help Todd and Kathy, there's a few things you can do. One is just tell a friend. And the second thing is, if you want, you can talk to Todd and Kathy twice a month on um, Team Zen. Uh, Anywhere between four and 15 people get on every time we have a Zen talk. Uh, you come in with something you're challenged by, and we all support you. Are you speaking in third person? I just said we. Is that third? You said Todd and Kathy. You can speak with Todd oh, yeah. and Kathy. Jimmy's going to get you, Kramer. Jimmy's going to get you. <laughs> What's that from, sweetie? That's just a way old Jimmy Seinfeld. doesn't like misunderstandings. <laughs> Jimmy and misunderstandings don't really... They don't mix. ...get along. <laughs> Um, I did not notice I was speaking in the third person, but, uh, so can I, can I add one more thing that you can do? Sure. So I had an experience last week. It wasn't really an experience. I didn't experience anything, but I noticed that, uh, it was pointed out to me that I, on my book that I got my first one star review. So you got to give me a, um, you got to give me some clap up for my first one star. Congratulations, sweetie. So I was like really interested. I'm like, okay, what could make someone be like, this is, you know, this is not something for people. And it was from a guy named Lance. And he said, I was hoping for a book more focused on Zen Mm. and its potential intersection with parenting, which was my attempt. Um, Instead, I found 80% of this to be very similar to what's in other parenting books. The author missed an opportunity to dive deep into Zen. The author makes a mistake in not writing the book and instead seems to be, wait, what does that say? Instead seems to be writing the book that Brene Brown would have written on parenting. Mm-hmm. And that's a great compliment. Yeah. So it's a weird one star. <laughs> like, What's the person's name? Lance. Hey, Lance. Thanks for giving us a one star review or giving well, Kathy. It was for my book, not for the show. Yeah. So what I have to say about that is that is fine. Like, like he has every right to do that. That's what, you know, and he actually gives a reason why, you Which know, he's nice. like, instead of you suck. Yeah. There's, it's a very rational thought out, um, you know, basically what I know to be true from doing this podcast and from writing about Zen is that there are people who are very, um, what's the word, I'm protective of what Zen means and that it needs to follow a certain framework based on how Zen masters teach. And um, there's so, like, Zen is so, there's so many layers and there, and a lot of people, like, train under a master. And so they have a very, like, in-depth understanding. And what I tried to do at the beginning of the book was explain that Todd and I are using a much more mainstream understanding of Zen, even though if you read the first chapter of my book, it's not very simple. 
it, it's still yeah, kinda, dense. Yeah, you kind of open it up. I opened it up by saying, listen, we are students of Zen. We're understanding it from this perspective. And this is why we use this word. It, it means to us the paradox. It means accepting. It means noticing. It means paying attention. And it means accepting change and uncertainty and developing harmony. So, but there's no way to summarize it completely. My point is, is if any of you have read the book and would be willing to go give a five-star review, it helps because even though Lance has a right to do that, um, one-star reviews, they're, when you say they're review, no bueno. You're talking about Amazon, right? Amazon, yes. So this isn't for our um, podcast. You can do that too. We love that. But a bunch of people did that for us a couple weeks ago. So yeah. this ask is for my book. If you've read my book, you actually, they do have a thing on Amazon now. I thought this was new, but maybe this is old, where you can just give five stars. You don't even have to explain why. But if you you would be willing to give five stars and explain why that's helpful. It just keeps the, you know, it's just, it's like such a dumb game we have to follow. Like, you know, there's yeah, a, it's a game, kind of like how we talk about, talk to our kids about school being a game that one has to play. We have to follow. There's this great Taylor Swift lyric in one of my favorite songs called Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. And she says, we play stupid games and win stupid prizes. And I say that with a lot of love for all the industries I'm in, but there, there is this game of you have to be on Amazon and you have to be on social networking and you have to get rated and you have to be reviewed. And it's just part of me being able to write. That's all it comes down to. You guys giving us reviews allows us to do a podcast. That's it's it's a game, but we are in it. And Todd and I, Todd's competitive. I'm a little less competitive um, in I think, games. I think I got it here. You play stupid games and win stupid prizes. Yeah. I love stupid games and I love stupid prizes. Well, and, and you know, just the word stupid makes it sound disrespectful. I'm not disrespecting what we have to do in the world, but there is that song that she's singing is about high school mm -hmm. um, and also about politics. She mixed high school and politics. And if you didn't know this, we did a whole pop culturing podcast about Taylor Swift and our top 10 favorite songs. And our girls joined us. And my number 10 was that song. But, and I had the best group of songs. No. Speaking of stupid games and stupid prizes. You didn't. I think most people who listened to that show thought Cameron's was the best. You know what I say to that? The most popular. You know what I, I say to that? I shouldn't say best. <laughs> That's what I say to that. Well, I was very proud of my list, and no one's supposed to love my list because my list is personal, meaning I like this song because it reminds me of my girls when they were 10. It's not because... Rolling Stone said it's the best Taylor Swift song. There's like, it's a very personal experience. Sweetie, Jimmy's going to get you, Kramer. Jimmy's going to get Brad, you. Brad, man, I think your boy's going to be in traction. Jimmy might have a compound fracture. <laughs> Jimmy's going into shock. Why don't you be more careful with your drool? Say, I'm doing the best I can. That's when uh, uh, Kramer goes to the dentist, and I think he drooled, and poor Jimmy slipped Oh, Jimmy. the drool. Jimmy's going to get you. So those are our, our three asks are, what was your first ask? No idea. I don't remember, but I know the last one is if you've read my book, go to Amazon Sun Parenting. Um, Actually, the me. first one was tell a friend about our show. Oh, sure. Second is join Team Zen. 25 sure. bucks a month, cancel at any time. Sure. You instantly get access to all 150 Zen Talks, and you can do a search by category. And the last few that we've done, just so everybody knows, is... Middle place frustrations, talked about toddlers and grandparents, you know, being in the middle place. Uh -huh. Alcoholism and grandparents' house was the one before that. 
And before that is connecting with preteen daughters and college drinking. Mm-hmm. We've done 150 of these suckers. So yeah, so it's there. like Team Zen is like a whole nother podcast. And if you want, you can join, steal, not steal, take all 150 and then cancel like the day after mm-hmm. if you really want to be clever. Uh, but yeah. you won't get any live support. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't you're know totally why you're offering that. that. Like, I don't know why you say that. Well, because I'm just being honest. Let's assume that people who want, who would like to Are doing it with, with integrity. Us. Yeah. Let's assume integrity. Um, I know that we don't have a ton of role models for that in our world. Sweetie, but, you're my role model for integrity. Well, thank you. Um, you, you're, you are one of mine as well, Todd, actually. Thank you. Yeah, we can, that's a nice thing to be able to say about your, about my friend that I podcast with here. I think I'll be doing, talking about integrity on Wednesday night's Men Living Call. So if any men out there want to join me talking about integrity. Do you know where the word comes from? Uh, integer. Yeah. And what I know about integer, it means wholeness. Right. And what I know about wholeness is that if you have a lack of integrity, then your aliveness, your energy is depleted. Mm -hmm. So when you're in alignment with all your integrity, you know, maybe you withhold feelings or you withhold truths to somebody or you blame, that's being out of integrity. So when you are in integrity, you're alive. Can I make that even more messy? Sure. So here's the interesting thing about integrity is that I've really been kind of, you know, playing with that word and that they're basically what result, if it's like a mathematical problem, is it's all these life experiences, all these things about your individual nature and who you came here to be mixed with how to blend and be a part of a community. So you've got a lot of different things coming your way at any certain time, your emotions, your thoughts, your experiences, your traumas, your history, your your joys. And integrity is being able to take all of those pieces and find a place of alignment. And why I love that is because you were just saying like maybe withholding emotion in certain situations, withholding emotion is being in your integrity because you know you're not in a safe space. Being integrity means you have the ability to discern. Correct. What needs to show up in this moment. And if I'm angry and I have no discernment, no self-awareness to discern, does anger really need to happen right now in the way that I'm choosing to experience it? Or is now a good time to take a breath, maybe move the anger to the side so that you can deal with it with a little bit more humanity? And there's times when anger is absolutely necessary. Right. It just depends. Depends right. on the circumstances. And that's the thing is that's why I I just get this, this picture when someone's in their integrity, I just see all these pieces of their life coming together and they come into how we know it we're in our integrity is feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, and a lot of people don't like that because they want to think it through. They want to be like, this is what's right. This is what's good. This is what's, but see what's right and good depends on who you are. So it's, you've got to go into feeling. So that's embodiment too. So yeah. And sometimes feelings get weaponized. Be like, oh, I was just expressing my anger towards you. Correct. And, but then that is not the feeling I'm referring to. That's a reaction. That's different. Feeling is like, Sometimes Feeling I've, authentically from a place of consciousness. Yeah, like sometimes I've made a decision. Like last night, I was, this is a dumb one, but just to give you an, an idea, I I have a awesome, I have a car that I love. It's a Jeep that I talk about all the time. And sometimes my girls want to borrow it and that's fine. Like, you know, there are times. And then occasionally they just want to borrow it for the heck of it. Like, I'm just going to go do this and I'll be like, but then I can't have it. And then I'm like, wait a second. No, my car, No. And there's a lot of like, but yesterday and but, uh, and I have to be like, no, 
like boundary and not necessarily have this big, strong reason. And this is a small one. This is like not a big life decision, but it's still, it's my same practice where I have to be like, I'm going to bring together all these pieces of what, what is, you know, what is sharing, what is kindness, what is not valuing a, you know, a a thing, um, what is allowing my kids to have an experience and what is also having my own boundary. And you have to piece all those things together. And then you come up with, there's a feeling you have where you're like, this is right for me. Mm. And, and we have to do that. I think like a thousand times a day, Todd, like that's why I'm using such a, a dumb example is it's like, all the time, we have to be like, am I going to engage in this conversation right now? Am I going to go do this thing? Am I going to choose this? And it's a lot of figuring out. And the, and the bottom line is, we're never gonna um, we're never gonna bat. What's a good batting average? Uh, well, four hundred thousand. What's the best batting average ever? Uh, Ted Williams finished the season at four oh four. I want to say he was at four hundred going into the last game. Okay. His manager said, "Why don't you sit this one out?" That so way then you you're securing this 400. Mm-hmm. He said, heck no. And I think he went two for three or two for four, and he increased it even three or <gasps> four more points. So, but no one liked Ted Williams? He was a tough, he was he was not, the press did not like him because okay. he didn't like the press. And yeah, sometimes he was not the most of pleasant people. Got it. Yeah. Um, so basically then don't be Ted Williams, but also- But hit the ball but the hit way the ball. Ted Williams So. Did. We were at the Cubs game the other night, and I was looking at everyone's batting averages. And by the way, Cubs fans, because I know there's a lot of you listening, when you're at the field, my daughters and I always struggle with the boards. Yeah. Okay. Because a lot of information up there. Totally. I have been going to ballparks my whole entire life. I understand most of it. I mean, there's occasional things I don't, but but I'm like, why are we not all putting this in one place? Like one of the the boards mm-hmm. is entirely like, you know, the, the batter, the yeah. pitcher, yeah. and then all of this information about Stats. where yeah. the batter came from yep. and, yep. you know. But then you have to go to the other board, the old school Wrigley Field board, where the guy is like in there yeah. doing it. Yeah. But then it's it's so small, mm-hmm. like to really see who's winning the game. Yeah. Would you? Are you agreeing with me on this? No. Okay. You could see the big m- manual board very easily, it, but it's different than all of the slick high tech. And then boards. there's the other board. Yeah. You have the lineups. You have the lineups. Always up there. Right. And then you have like little bio about each player as right. they come up to bat. Right. Um, you have uh, this big scoreboard. You have other scoreboards throughout just to show you who else is playing. Who that else day. is playing. And there's so much. I'm going to give you a quick pop quiz on baseball. You ready? Okay. Before we go to sure. that. So to finish my thought, because yeah. I was talking about a great batting average, yeah. you're never going to bat Ted Williams. Or you may sometimes, I guess he did it, but you, all during the day you may get a like respectable mm-hmm. two eighty. Mm-hmm. Is that respectable? Uh, it depends. Three hundred. Depends on the slugging. Three hundred is good. Okay, we'll say three hundred. Yeah. Let's try and bat three hundred. All right. Okay. Um, quick, I'm going to give you some abbreviations. You tell me what they stand for. Okay, cool. HR. Home run. RBI. Run batted in. Uh, ERA. Um, earned run something. Average. Average. Thank you. Uh, let's go. This is a hard one. Oh. I don't think you'll get it. Okay. OPS. I don't know that one. It's on base plus slugging. So it's on base percentage. So not OBS. No. Okay. OPS. On base plus slugging. I wouldn't slugging. know that. Uh-uh. Um, and there's many, many more. It's S, strike, B, ball. What's the backwards K? That's a strikeout. Yeah, I know. But why is it backwards versus forward? Because if you struck out. Well, the pitcher strikes you. <laughs> <laughs> I 
know, maybe if you're the batter who got struck out, that goes backwards. A regular strikeout is when he swings and misses. Okay. A backwards strikeout, uh, a backwards K means that he did not swing at all. Oh. So he got caught On any single one of them or no, just the last just one? Three. Yeah. That, that was one of the girls at the game was like... Why do they keep putting up strikes? No, what if I think it was with foul balls? She didn't know that a foul ball was going to be a strike. Yeah, yeah, and it's not after two. But right, it is. right, right, right. But I was saying, no, those are all those are all strikes until you know the last one has to be different. But basically, it's interesting with sports. Like if you grew up with something, you don't things are so normal to you. Sure. Whereas if you're learning the game when you're older you're kind of like, it's harder to keep track, like anything, right? Yeah. It's either in your cells or it's not. Yeah. And I would say that football and baseball, I know in my cells, not because I, I played base, I played softball for a long time, football I never played, but I understand everything because I've watched it my whole life. Whereas when, when I remember our daughter started playing soccer and lacrosse, mm -hmm. I didn't know those games. Yeah, you didn't know the rules. At all. Like what's offsides? What's yeah. this? Like we had to learn it from a different place. By the way, sweetie, you did play football. Don't you ever forget <gasps> that. I did play football, but I played it like I watched it as a kid. I didn't play as a kid. I played it when I was in college and then in Chicago. You did, what was it called? You did. Uh, Chicago League. Yeah, Chicago Social Club. Chicago Social Club. And you did. Um, Flag football, co-ed flag football. I did co-ed. I did that in high school too. Okay, I played football. All right, forget it. Um, Onward. So we're 17 minutes in, haven't even come close to today's topic, and I'm going to distract us even a little bit more. I, I I saw this quote and I thought it was good. Okay. Have you ever heard of a guy named Sebastian Yun? J U N. Uh, J U N. No. I don't know why. Humans don't mind hardship. In fact, they thrive on it. What they mind is not feeling necessary. Modern society has perfected the art of making people not feel necessary. Uh, oh, completely. Isn't that good? So read the first part of it again. Humans don't mind hardship. In fact, they thrive on it. What they mind is not feeling necessary. Okay, so the way I would say that is this is the paradox of people who think that finding joy means making life easy. We don't experience joy because things get easy. Like people who are really wealthy or don't have a job that they have to do or don't have anything that they feel like they have to learn even if they're out on a yacht all day, there is can be a big, strong feeling of emptiness because there's nothing to strive for. There's sure. nothing to to suffer through. There's nothing to experience, you know? And I also think that um, the last part of what you said, I would call, and maybe this was the language that he used, but life is about meaning, mm -hmm. meaning making, storytelling, experience, you know, creating. And then, you know, it's... We make meaning out of our lives. We tell a story about them. And if we don't feel like we belong anywhere, if we don't feel like we are meaningful or we have anything to offer, it makes life challenging. What What's so nice, though, is we get to, I don't like the word control, but we get to manage and create the meaning in our lives. Mm -hmm. We get to decide that. Nobody gets to decide that for us. One person can say an experience that we did was stupid or a failure or not worthwhile, and we can be like, oh, no, it was very far from that. Yeah. I learned so much. I had such a good time. It was such a great creative endeavor. Mm. I was listening to um, Ben Stiller is on uh, Dax's podcast today, and they were talking about making movies and directing movies and having failures and how, you know, if you go into anything, and I hear directors and actors say all this this all the time, but if you go into something and you have a good time and you're, you're with your friends and you're creating something that's fun, you're, you don't care i as, mean the outcome is great Yeah, you don't care as much correct if you're having fun doing it like you know ben stiller was talking about doing zoolander 2 is great 
but severance, he created severance mm-hmm. is great, yeah. but the outcome is different, but it doesn't mean that one shouldn't have happened. Sure. And maybe you got more meaning yeah. out of Zoolander 2. I've never seen either of the Zoolanders. Really? Have you? Zoolander 1, right? We've both seen Zoolander never 1. Never seen it. Really? No. Okay. Um, okay. So now on with the topic. <clears throat> so Jason Gaddis is our friend. We've been on his podcast. He's been on ours. He wrote a book called Getting to Zero, which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And he shows up on my, he's making a big push for social media and he shows up in my feed all the time. And a lot of the times I'm like, oh yeah, I read that in the book. Like it's not that profound. Because it's not I, new. It's not new to me. Right. Uh, but then he kind of like punched me in the gut with this last one. And it's, he punched me in the gut because I saw myself in what he was saying. Are you ready, sweetie? I'm ready. It says, dads, learn how to feel. Why? If you continue to not learn about emotions, primarily your own emotions, you will continue to farm out the emotional labor and safety net to women or moms or teachers or therapists. Initially, you'll tell yourself a story that they are better at it than you. This way, you can give yourself a pass. So that's the first small paragraph. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought that that was, so that caught my eye. So I kept reading. As your kids age, you'll feel hurt and complain about, this is what really caught me. Okay. As your kids age, you'll feel hurt and complain about how they don't come to you with their pains and fears. This is because they don't feel emotionally safe with you and their inner life hasn't been seen or acknowledged by you. Your kids will never feel safe opening up to you. So I have found myself many times complaining to Kathy, not necessarily complaining to my kids, but like I get frustrated because I've shared it on this podcast many times. The first question out of their mouth when they get home from school is where's mom? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm, I'm here. Like Mm -hmm. you can come to me. I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. And they don't understand. um, It's not that they never come to me, but I am typically the second choice and I could blame you. I could blame them. I could blame society. I could say, yeah, um, you know, moms are just better at this than dads. I can blame cultural conditioning. I could blame all these different things. But what Jason is inviting me to consider is to take responsibility for helping them feel safe enough to share something that's painful to me. And like I said, it's not that they've, uh, with me, it's not that they've never done it. It's just, they don't do it as often with me as they do Kathy. And the part of the responsibility I want to take is Kathy, there'll be times and we're both spent at the end of the day, it's 10, 15. And then one of our kids will need something usually emotional Mm -hmm. and almost without exception, Kathy does whatever it takes, which includes like my version would be like, all right, what's going on? They tell me, I'd be like, oh, Maybe I'll problem solve or maybe I'll just like quickly validate, but it will be with my agenda, which is move on. Let's move on. (laughs) I want to go to bed. And Kathy, even though she's also tired and you don't do this perfectly, but you do it better than me, will do whatever it takes to help them feel validated to not problem solve. I just asked this to Cameron because we're sitting there at Jewel just now, the grocery store. And I told her that this is what I was going to talk about. And I said, what advice do you have for me and other dads? And she said, don't problem solve and just listen, Mm -hmm. which is all really good. So I just want to call myself out on that because if there's one thing that I get frustrated by, it's when people take themselves as victims. Mm. And I, in this occasion, have put on my victim hat and blamed 
everything else and not gotten curious about why is it that they feel, why they say, where's mom? Mm -hmm. Why is it that they are more willing to share things with you than with me? And it's because I haven't done as good of a job as you have to make them feel safe. Okay. Yeah. So I I would add um, three things I thought of. Number one is that this comes from your stories that mm-hmm. you have told your whole life. Mm-hmm. And some of them were based on reality. You, Since the girls were little, you would always tell a story of how you were sick once, your mom was gone, so your dad tried to take care of you, and it just wasn't as good as your mom. Yep. So that story that you tell all the time is validating this kids just need their mom, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and... You know, and you're comparing like our family to your dad's ability to take care of you, which is like apples and oranges, right? You know, because that was his experience. It was a different time. It was a different generation. And it was also, you know, your mom was definitely the primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. And my grandma. And your grandma, correct. So there was that female Female component, female energy. I also think the part that can, and so it's you take, it's not just you, Todd, but anyone taking responsibility for the story you tell about this. Because um, I think if, I think the vast majority of all genders tell this story. Mm -hmm. And I think that there can be some truth to it. I'm not saying that they're getting this out of nowhere. It's because women um, are more, uh, culture they're more society wants them to be yep. this way they they are taught to be nurturers society teaches them how to you know we we talked about this on the show last week and i got a few emails about it someone on teams and some said something about it too when we were talking about how I have been trained to look around mm-hmm. at everybody else and see how they are doing. And you've been trained to focus on yourself and look forward. Yeah. You know yours is like okay next 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 and you're not thinking about what about the person standing behind you to the side of you? And this is literal, like mm-hmm. when you're standing in line mm-hmm. and needing help. And this is also just like a, a little more like, how are the kids doing? And have I noticed, have I called this person yet? And and again, you personally have a lot of skills in this area. I think you're very conscientious. Um, but the other part of this was this, when the girls were little, one thing that I found I struggled with, and I hear this from parents all the time, is when you would come to me and not feel connected for whatever reason to one of our kids, or you'd be frustrated, they'd come to me and you wanted to be that person. Mm -hmm. I then felt put in a position to make our kids create a relationship with you. Mm. And so I would You want to bridge the gap that I felt. Correct. And so I would be like, ooh, this is important. So I better somehow teach the girls, train you, um, step out of the way, do something not natural Mm -hmm. to help you feel more like a worthy father. Do you still do that or no? No, I I don't think I do. I mean, I'm sure I have moments where I'm like, well, why don't you ask dad that question? Mm -hmm. Or, or, but they seem a little more, you know, I, I used the word unnatural before because I was really doing it as a, I was, I was committed to it. Mm -hmm. I was like, Ooh, this has to happen. Whereas now I think it's more like balance. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I feel like I've been asked this question a lot. Why don't you go to your dad? So it it feels more natural. But I think that when you feel disconnected, uh, dads or or partners or caregivers that may not feel as connected, whatever your gender may be, and you share that with your partner, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it just recognize that sometimes you make that problem other people's problem. Yeah. So where, where I'm going with this, that's all true. Um, a few things. One is I want to like equip the 
uh, whether it's a mother or a father or a caregiver, with tools. And I'm going to like contrast, contrast what I have sometimes done not so well to what you do. Okay. When the girls come to me on my worst days, I'm on my computer. Uh huh. And I like, I won't even turn my, I may continue to look at my computer mm-hmm. while they're talking to me. Correct. Yeah. That's a red flag. Yeah. I may stop typing, but just kind of move my body sort of by them mm-hmm. or like just turn my chair a little bit by them. But they can sense that I'm not really that interested mm-hmm. in what it is that they have to say simply by looking at my body language. Mm-hmm. Like I, I will pat myself on the back. Last week, one of our kids was struggling with, and I was afraid I was going to come off too intense, but I could just tell she was struggling. And I pulled my chair up right in front of her. And I said, you know, what's going on with you? And we created like no phone, no distraction. And I was like locked in Mm -hmm. on her, which I think sometimes can be intimidating, Mm -hmm. but this, it landed well. Okay. And she felt heard. So like, I I even think like body language is really help helpful. And I can think, I could see dads being like, okay, I'm going to start doing those things. I don't think any of those are nearly as impactful if we're not modeling what vulnerability, what emotional express expression means. Sweetie, you are, I'm not going to say better equipped. You're better at um, expressing emotions. You are, I think, better at even being vulnerable when you're struggling. I still have this, there's a stoic in me that doesn't want to show any vulnerability, even to the people that I know are going to love me, probably even more so anyways. So I just want to caution anybody out there like, okay, I'll do all these tricks. But if I am not modeling what it is, like how often am I vulnerable? How Mm -hmm. often am I being emotionally expressive in front of my kids in a healthy way? That is probably going to be... be more impactful than where I where I position my chair or whether or not I put my phone down. You know, it's so interesting. I want to I want to focus on that, but I just want to go to what you said the stoic in me is I know that stoicism is about, you know, hardship without displaying feelings. Like I know that's the definition, but I was reading a book and I was reading some of it to you uh, about a month ago and the actual heart of stoicism is not about not feeling it's about like knowing when mm-hmm. to exude. Do Which you know again, what I mean? Discernment. Discernment. And so like sometimes people use the word stoic as like, I'm never going to cry. Absence of right. Feelings, right? And it's not. It's just about having discernment, like you said. I just wanted to focus on that word. Um, yeah. I mean, everything you said is true. And I will... Um, and it takes practice. It's a little like the batting average thing. Sometimes we just don't recognize. Like sometimes, you know, Todd's... Uh, really thoughtful about things like this, but then something will come up. And I used to, so uh, I have a perfect example. So last night um, I I was getting ready for bed and I was kind of telling him something kind of like vulnerable. I'm listening. I'm locked in. But when, but, and you were just taking a deep breath, but like yawning is like one of those examples. Mm -hmm. Like when you're talking to someone and they, Mm -hmm. I I thought you were kind of doing it on purpose. No, I was not. Um, Okay. So, and I was telling him something kind of vulnerable and he was going, yeah, yeah. And then I looked up and he was looking at his phone the yeah. whole time. And he it's he was playing a game with his dad. I know exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But when you're telling someone something and they're on their phone, it is even knowing Todd, even working through all this, it feels I'm done then. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, okay, well, then that's going to stop that conversation. And, and what I think a lot of dads or I think all – genders do this. I don't think this is a dad thing is we'll say, no, no, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. No, I'm listening. But see that person that is 
pouring out their heart to you does not feel that way. And doesn't even matter if you're listening or not. Yeah. By the way, I don't think you can listen as well while looking at right. my phone. Right. I will once I will say that I used to be horrible at this. Yes, and you're I better. think I yeah. rarely do it. Like if I know you're sharing anything with anything amount of seriousness to it. I will put that down. Last night was a bad example because I was in the middle of a live game. If I was like looking at Facebook or email, I would have put it down immediately. Well, and you know, we can like, this is an example, like we always bring up the example of try not to bring up, you know, what you need to work on in your marriage five minutes before the Super Bowl starts. I know that sometimes my desire to like, I'm ready to share something is not always on par with where you are. So to say, um, I want to hear this. Um, I'm finishing this game with my dad so yep. I can listen. See, then I would have been like, okay, I would yep. go wash my face. Yep, yep, yep. And then I'd come back because I'd feel like this is important yes. to you. And I didn't really have much more to share. So right. like I was going to, but there's this disconnect that happens. And this is why last night felt different to me mm-hmm. because I told you, mm-hmm. but I also wasn't mad. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like, I'm going to carry this and I'm not going to talk to you. But those little resentments, they build up. Yeah. And, and I'm talking about me, but this happens with our kids yeah. too. The thing that's hard for parents to understand with these kind of things, and I, I'm still, I don't want to get too far away from that. I know you're talking about dads, but is that a lot of times parents will come to me about the thing their kid got angry about. And they will be like, and my kid is so upset about this thing. It really wasn't that big of a deal. I had to cancel, but I don't know why they're so mad. They didn't even want to go. And what they don't understand is it's been a buildup of yeah. things. Um, they've been disappointed so many times that this last thing was the last straw. Yeah. And I think that breaking point. it's a breaking point. So the parent is really focused on that thing. Yeah. And it's just kind of like- Ignoring it's all the other all evidence. All the other evidence where, you know, it's like we used to talk about when our kids were little and they'd be- um, have all the, they'd go to school. Someone was mean to them. The teacher would yell at them. They'd forget to bring home their homework. Their, you know, <laughs> their dog didn't want to sit with them. And then they walk outside and they trip and then they, they lose totally it. lose and you're it. like, why are you getting why so you upset go- over tripping. Uh, tripping? And, and this is a really important thing that you're sharing. And I remember this when I, when our kids were younger, mm-hmm. like, cause I was, nobody teaches you how to do this. Right. And I'm like, why is this kid reacting like this? And it's got very little to do with what just happened. Exactly. But we just think it's just what happened. Right. Yeah. Or like, you know, you ask your kid to come down to dinner and they're like, I don't want to come down to dinner and or I don't want to do this and I don't want to be with you guys. And you're like, it's just dinner. Mm. What's the big deal? And it's like, no, they're trying to tell you something bigger. Yeah, there's there's a else. disconnect going on in a bigger way. And f- don't focus on that one little, that could be the trigger, yeah. but it's not the thing. So, So move on from that one. That was good. Okay, so uh, there's a few more small paragraphs. He says, ultimately, you'll end up staying alone. Once again, he's writing this to the dads, which I love. But it's going to, I guess he can address to anybody who um, feels like they're distant from their kid. Ultimately, you'll end up staying alone in your self-made prison, resenting emotions, women, and the feminine, when in reality, it's all an externalized, rejected part of you. Of course. So will you say more about that? Well, I sent you something this morning on text. Did you look at it? I don't know. Which one was um, it? It's a, it's called, uh, so basically it was a woman wrote a, um, an article about how no, men, not men feel yet. the exact same feelings. And it was less about the article, Todd, and more about um, the picture of the brain. Mm-hmm. And it's like this brain and the, um, here it is. 
and it's this brain and it's crying and it's a it's supposed to be a brain of a of a male of a conditioned male in our mm-hmm. society and the brain is saying i don't understand my brain is built to process emotion the same as the female brain and then there's all these things around it saying man up grow a pair boys don't cry take it like a man you're such a wimp it's not manly emotions are woke mm-hmm. <laughs> that's our that's the new way. we've weaponized like one of the new things that um, groups who are trying to go into the school and have books banned and not allow teachers to talk about sexuality or gender, one of their big things is saying that um, um, SELs, uh, social and emotional learning, isn't necessary, Yikes. which to me makes no sense. I mean, I'm not even going to like engage in it mm-hmm. because the that's calling social emotional learning woke to weaponize that word and be like, yeah, we don't want to teach our kids about social and emotional learning. People, social and emotional learning is what we are. Mm-hmm. That is what humanity is. Reading and science and math are important. These things are what help us get jobs, keep business going, learn more, increase our brain. But who we are and getting along in a society is social and emotional learning. So please, with people who think this isn't necessary, um, I would love for you to, how do I say this? Because what people always say that also gets weaponized is do your research. I don't want to say that, but look inside of yourself. Get curious. Get curious. What is it that makes someone successful? Their ability to talk with people, their ability to um, handle rejection, their ability to be resilient, their ability to come up with new ideas, be in a group, um, be, you know, have responsibility. That's social emotional learning. So just that understanding. um, So anyway, I got away from the brain. The... Basically, Todd, what you asked me, which I went around about, is your brain and my brain is not gender specific. Mm -hmm. We have the same, you know, we've been social, we've been socialized, we've been conditioned. I totally get all that. But you need to emotionally express just as much as I do. Well, I want to repeat his words. Um, Ultimately, you all end up staying alone in your self-made prison, resenting emotions, women, and the effeminine, when in reality, it's an all externalized rejection part of you. So the way I interpret that is that there's a maternal nurturing part of, course, of me course. that I have since rejected. Yes, because you've been told it's not manly. Yeah. Because you have been trained to believe that anything that is feminine is weak. Yes. When actually it is not that way well, at all. Well, it's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to practice it. Because I can tell you with complete authenticity, vulnerability is the best uh, example of strength that I can come up with. Mm-hmm. But to practice it is a completely different thing. And right. I'm good getting better, but um, I know it more intellectually than I am practicing it. And that's like my journey. That's what I'm kind of focusing on Mm -hmm. is practicing that vulnerability. All right. So as we go, almost done here, but it's really good. This is where Jason gets kind of his warrior on. Uh, Bottom line, dads, get good at feeling stuff, all the stuff, pleasure and pain, hurt, anger, joy, fear, sadness, rage, grief, all of it. Don't worry. It's not your fault that you can't feel. But it is your responsibility to learn how to feel. The world needs more men like you who have the capacity to feel and empathize with others. Plus, by learning how to feel, your intimate relationships will deepen and improve. Yes. You'll become a relationally and emotionally intelligent leader who others want to be around. Your growing children deserve your capacity to feel. So does your partner. Go there. Get on it. Yeah, it's really good. It is, and it's a, it's a, like you said, like he said, it's a life practice, 
And we can so easily, you know, the the stuff I was talking about before, we can so easily opt out of it and we can allow our partner to opt out of it. Mm -hmm. And we can say things like, you know, I'm going to speak very generally masculine, feminine here, if it's a a heteronormative relationship, you know, uh, like ours. We can so easily say, I'm just better at that. They don't know how to do that. They and and have no expectation, Mm -hmm. not only in the parenting, but also in our relationship. Our, our marriage yeah. or our partnership. And we just don't even, we have this belief that it's completely impossible. Yeah. And are there certain things that I'm really good at? I'm good at teaching the kids how to check the oil in their car. I'm good at teaching them how to practice sound financial management practices. It comes very easily to me. Mm-hmm. But to say that I don't have the equipment to be vulnerable, to role model vulnerability, to connect in an authentic way with my kids? Of course I do. It's just, it's easier for me to excuse it saying, oh, it just doesn't come naturally to me. Like, and that's what Jason's like. It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility Correct. to get good at it. Well, because I also know how to check the oil in the car. Yeah. And I also know how to mow the lawn mm-hmm. and, you know, do do things that maybe be more very stereotypical, you know, more what, you know, is masculine. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't, like, I want our kids, I want all kids to see us doing a lot of different things. And even if, um, if you and I were to like really parse everything out, we've probably fallen more stereotypical than, than we probably would expect. Um, but I also think we're very conscious of it. Do you know what I mean? Like there's pieces where, um, I really like, there was an experience that I had, um, coming home from, I did, took the girls to DC cause one of my girls wanted to, uh, look at some schools there and we on the way home, cause everyone has been traveling this summer, you know, how difficult it has been to get seats and flights and all that kind of stuff. And I had to really like be at the counter and state my case and demonstrate why we needed these seats and explain when I had bought these tickets and really kind of, as you would say, step into my warrior and the girls don't see me do that that much because you're there and you tend to be like, I bought the tickets, let me go handle this. And I don't have, in those situations, I don't have a problem doing that. Mm -hmm. I feel very empowered. I, you know, I feel very like, you know, in my integrity, this is something, you know, I'm not yelling at these people, blaming them for things that aren't their fault. What I'm saying is we have to figure this out. You know, this isn't a customer service issue as much as it is, okay, do we have all the pieces here so we can get home, yeah. even if it's not on this flight? Yeah. So I guess my point is, is that we playing both roles, it's not even roles, bringing out all those pieces of yourself and allowing our kids to do the same. I mean, God, Todd, we haven't talked about these things for ages. Like, But do you remember when we started this show and we had groups of friends who would like not let their daughters climb trees mm-hmm. and like obviously didn't want, um, you know, we had friends who didn't want their sons pushing strollers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this feels so outdated yeah, now, right. but I still think it's around. And I still think that there are some people that are like, oh yeah, I still see that all the time. Yeah. Um, and just this idea of of you being not you being just as much of an emotional support system to the girls mm-hmm. that we are sharing that responsibility rather than you being a backup person. Yeah. That that we in our family feel like, oh, everybody here can talk about these Well, things. and in our family, you happen to have a job where you are, are around our kids most of the time. Right. So like, I don't want to blame here, but there is um, there are circumstances that... Uh, make me more accessible. That make you more accessible. Yeah, of course. So that's the truth. 
especially in the early years, yeah, right? Like yeah. I was traveling a lot more. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're ever in a place where like you throw your hands because there's times when I'm like totally below the line. I'm like, I, there, there's nothing I can do here. I throw up my hands. They just don't feel as safe with me as they do with with Kathy. And that's simply not true. There's always something I can do. Well, and we had another experience the other night where you were thanking me for something. You're like, I realized that you kind of took hold of that thing and dealt with it. Um, and I don't even know if you agreed with me, but you were just like, I see that you kind of did all the legwork on that one. And the thing that I said back to you was, I appreciate you noticing that. And I said the, um, in this, in the, in the situation, I had to make a big decision about something that I knew was going to be unpopular, be unpopular. with one of our kids, but I knew it was, the, I was in my integrity doing it. And this is kind of what I mean about what we were talking about at the beginning about what integrity is, is I wasn't like doing it to prove a point. I wasn't doing it to win. I wasn't doing it because I was having to backtrack about something. I wasn't doing it. I was doing it because I knew it was the right, responsible, healthy decision. The easy decision would have been to not do anything. Mm -hmm. And I would have been like, but I was like, that's, that affects too many people. And it's one of those things where we kind of close our eyes and hope everything works out. And I don't, I don't live that way. So when you made that unpopular decision, one thing that I think our audience might appreciate hearing is when that happens, I don't know how many times you and I both said is like, I totally get it why you're upset. Right, to, I, to my kid? To yeah. the kid. Yeah. Like, it makes sense to me that you're angry yeah. at this decision yeah. I just made. And I just feel like a lot of parents, including me sometimes, are like, no, this is the way it is. Too bad, so sad, bye-bye. Right. But I think it's really an empowering thing to say, totally get it. Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. You had an expectation that we came and kind of pulled the carpet underneath yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's an important point. Yeah, and and that you are not going to always win as a parent, meaning I knew I was in my integrity, I was fine with the decision, but I also knew that she needed time to be mad about it, and I would have been too. Yeah. And so, but it doesn't mean it was a wrong decision. And I think those are the kind of things where that I think we have to learn from those in life too. Like not only do I have to sit through the discomfort as the parent, but our kids have to learn things don't always like, they're not necessarily fair. I think our, our kids have been taught this over and over and over again in the world of COVID. I think there are things we look forward to that go away. I think there are things, I think COVID has Really given us time, a lot oh, of opportunities God. for disappointment. Like the amount of things where it's like, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, someone tested positive for COVID or, or you know, this kid has symptoms or they, like it's really made us more hyper-conscious, hyper-vigilant, whatever about there's certain things we have to, we have to put our, our priorities in order. And one of them is wellness. That's mm-hmm. top of the line. And we have to be thoughtful about that and how that impacts other people. And that's been really hard. Yeah. Um, and I, I I think it's, you know, I want to give the big word of it's unfair yeah. that families have had to experience this over and over again, but it's also the reality. Yeah. So it's like, we got to play with that, um, those two things at the same time. So, so Todd, what I will say about what you, you know, the attention that you've brought to this is I think that, you know, like you said, it really is a story that we tell in our family of that men don't know how to do this and women do. Mm -hmm. And it's also understanding, it's not just about doing it because it's the right thing. You also get a closer relationship with your kids. Oh my gosh. It's, yes. I mean, that's what we all want as dads, right? Right, right. Especially when it gets tricky when they're in their teenage years. And you're like, I don't know how to connect with this kid. Um, And there's times when I don't know how to connect with my kid. 
few tricks I do, maybe you can help me with some tricks is show me your TikTok feed. Like I'm not a fan of TikTok, but giving your kids the opportunity to show you some, a part of their world that they feel comfortable with. Well, like go in deep into you. Cause you don't really do that one. I just did it with JC two nights ago. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't ever, I didn't see you do that one. So that's just me being outside of that <clears> loop. <throat> um, but like, what do you really like? Think about your day. Mm-hmm. Like what, do, what do you Todd really do? And I, you know, I'm just thinking about this morning. You're like, this morning, our daughter wanted to make waffles, and you're like, I'll go grab the waffle mix. Well, the problem is I'm an act of service-oriented person. That's mm-hmm. my primary love language. So you can say, oh, um, when they're struggling, the act of service is to listen and validate, but that's not the act of service that comes most comfortable to me. Uh, the act of service that comes most comfortable to me is going to the grocery store and getting my kid a box of waffles. Yeah. Like, so... When I am, so there's certain things that are just so easy for me to do. Yeah. Because, but it takes emotional work to hold the space for a kid who's upset. Yeah. It's really uncomfortable and taxing. And what I will say is that just so you know that all those parts, they're all interconnected because if you're going to get, if you're stopping, if it's possible for you to stop and go get a box of waffle mix, which it's easy for us because we're close to Jewel and all Mm. that kind of stuff. That does make an impact on your connection with your kid, Mm -hmm. which may, so you're like, it's easy, so it doesn't matter. That's not true. It does matter. And your easy parts help with the more difficult parts. Yes, but not as much. I wish that the easy parts meant, oh, I'm crying. I just had a fight with my kid. Where's dad? Like it doesn't, it doesn't Mm -hmm. unfold that way. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, I need waffle mix. Where's dad? Well, give the example. You said, I'm crying. I just had a fight with my dad with my friend? Is mm-hmm. that what you mean? Sure. Okay. Oh, with your friend. I You said, I just had a fight with my kid. If so. one of my kids came home because okay. they had a fight with their friend with and their they're friend. crying, okay. yeah, it's, I'm second Yeah. for sure. Right. And part of it is, can I just accept the fact that I'm second and work towards being better at being more emotionally available? That's a really good one. Um, I like that idea because instead of being like, why not me, mm-hmm. which is kind of an ego entitlement thing, it's more like, being curious, yeah. like it, who does it matter who they go to first? And instead, when they share the story, yeah. are you kind of showing up and curious? Yeah. What I tend to do, and I guess I would say this to everybody who's partnered, is I tend to share, and, and this is because Todd is a safe person to share this with, everything that's going on with the girls. The girls and I don't have, there. I can't think of a time that they've been like, don't tell dad this. Mm-hmm. And, and, I've, and if they would... I would be like, that's, that's not something not we do. We roll, yeah. yeah. Everybody's going to know this. And so like, there's this curiosity of, I know you and I've talked about this a ton where I've been like, I've told you a story. I just told you one the other day. I said, just so you know, this is how, uh, you know, one of our daughters feels about this. And you're like, thank you for telling me. And that. I didn't know it. Right. I, yeah. Not the way you did. Yeah. And then you're able to utilize that information. It's to... equipping me with information. Correct. I just said something to her to reinforce a part of her that she was doubting in herself. Correct. So that was really helpful to me because I didn't think so. There's no reason why I would believe that this kid has a self-doubt because she shows me that she has everything about that attribute. Right. But she has a self-doubt around it too. And so then I was like, just so you know, there's some doubt here. And you were like, oh, I'm glad I know that. Now I have more information for this. So a lot of this too... This we're not in like our isolated chambers as partners. For those of you who are partnered, you're not like doing it by yourself. Yeah. 
isolated. There's this blending of sharing information and being like, I'm, because that's the thing too, is I will speak to right now to women or people who, you know, are in a mothering role. Um, I will say that there's a lot of martyrdom in it. And we feel like, for example, if there's something I'm struggling with right now that I'm not good at, that I finally said to Todd, um, can you help me with this tomorrow? And there's a part of me that like feels like, oh, like I want to, I want to do these things and I want to drop, but he, it doesn't affect him the way it does me. And so why not ask for yeah, that let's help? let's allocate resources Correct. in a smart way. Because he asks me to do things like, you know, all the time that are small, that are not hard for me, that I don't think a thing of. So why not go back and forth and we don't need to have this tug of war about who wins. Yeah. Um, and again, I know it sounds idealized. It doesn't always work out perfectly. Um, we can all be competitive without even really recognizing it. Well, there's always a part of me because you are so available because you, you're a writer and you work from this house. But I, there's a part of me that relishes when you go away for three days. Yeah. Because these kids have no choice. Right, right. But to come to me when that happens. Right. Um, so, sweetie, the bottom line is I need you to go away more. <laughs> go often, away. Go away. Which I think you probably would be on board with. Yeah, well, if and I need to. you give yourself permission I mean, to do it. The irony of you just saying that you're a writer is I am, and I get up every morning and I do it for at least an hour and a half. I've been pretty good this summer, but that's not enough. Like, I think if you're, pre- I, like anybody who writes knows that you're just getting going mm-hmm. after an hour and a half. And part of, I, for me, I'll just speak for myself, part of being a writer is having five hours. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in the life that you and I have created. Yeah. So I will go away. Please go away. Goodbye. And and separate, I remember this from Mr. Perel, like there needs to be, um, it's healthy to have time spent apart. Of course. And some marriages spend way too much time apart. Right. Like I can't imagine how these ba- baseball players who play 162 games, yeah. 81 of them, you know, there's a month of spring training, maybe a month of playoffs and 81 days on the road or any traveling salesperson that that is on the road 45 weeks out of the year. I don't know how to be married in a city. I know they do. And I, and there's probably examples that have even a deeper relationship than you and I have. I just don't think we would be good at that at all. Well, and those people, like I actually have a friend who married a ball player and you, um, that's all you've known yeah. because they've done it their whole yeah. lives. And so you kind of created a life where you're like, we're together for three months, then yeah. we're apart. And you also kind of change your life. So you travel yeah. or military or military. Oh yes, crazy. totally. Military is the exact same way. And you often have to often all the time have to uproot your life too um sweetie girl don't go away mad just go away girl just go away don't go away mad it's an awful lyric i know sometimes i will be in the car even listening to something as chill as yacht rock with the girls because i love yacht rock um and a song will come on and i'll be like i love this song and then the girls and i listen to the lyrics and it's awful you know like it's Having said that, I really like this song. Really? Not the words, but... What a terrible lyric. I know. Well, that's nothing. I know. There's a lot worse (laughs) that Vince Neil and and the fellas come up with. 
there is so much music out there that is just so hateful. Don't go away mad. Just, just go, go away. away. Just just <laughs> out of here. It reinforces. Talk about minimizing. Yeah. Reinforces our frustrations and our stereotypes and our misogynistic attitudes. And we just sing it. And I think that's why it makes the girls laugh because they just know, you know, kind of what I the world that talk we about. In. Well, and just that what I stand for and what I speak about. And then I'll be like, I love this song. <laughs> and I'll start singing it. And it's like so awful. Yeah. And they're like, you love this song? I'm like, well, I did when I was 10. Um, all right. So here comes the music. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Oh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800, avidco.net. And I am leading this Wednesday's uh, Men Living meeting. I would love any people that identify as men to join us. Go to menliving.org and click on calendar. And buy some of Kathy's books. Or, or write me a review if you've read it, and you can give me a five-star review. Yeah. How many books you got? I I think I have one, two, I think I have four, four. right now. But right now, Zen Parenting is the book I'm asking you to write about. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Keep talking, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.